This week's episode is brought to you by the Retail Innovation Conference and Expo. One of the opportunities for marketers is to focus on joining forces with all the stakeholders in this landscape, in the route to market. Join forces with retailers, join forces with companies such as ours, the tech companies that support the cannabis space, and synergize the marketing power that we all have for the same common goal. You're listening to Retail Remix, your inside access to candid conversations with the people shaping retail's future. Here's your host, Alicia Esposito. At Retail Touchpoints, our goal is to cover the latest topics and trends happening across the entire retail sector. But of course, sometimes we don't get to dig into certain categories in as much detail as we would like, which is why I always love to get experts on the pod who can do so. One of the big areas that are growing and evolving is cannabis. So I wanted to get someone who not just understands the spades, but is actively participating in it. That's why I brought on Philip Luneski, who is the VP of Marketing for Lucid Green, and they play a fascinating role in not just supporting cannabis retailers and brands, but also consumers as well. So he really provides the full picture of what's happening within cannabis legalization and in turn, cannabis retail. You may think that because you're not in this space, this conversation may not be totally relevant to you, but Philip does a great job of distilling some themes, takeaways, and of course, best practices that anyone can apply to their business. Philip, thanks so much for being on the show. So excited to have you on. Thank you, Alicia. Hello to you. I'm very excited to be on the show as well. So you have spent a lot of your career in the beverage industry, specifically beer and spirits. You have held roles at Anheuser-Busch as well as Molson Coors. But now, and this is why I'm so excited to have you on, you're immersed in the world of cannabis. I'm curious, what were some of the most notable differences as you made this shift? Because I'm sure some people assume that they're relatively similar. Right. Yes. Well, this is a very interesting question. As there were differences for me personally uh, in my professional capacity, since I transitioned from a 15 years of a career working for some of the largest multinational corporations, as you mentioned, a few of those, to a very small startup company. Bear in mind, uh, Anheuser-Busch, they have around 20,000 employees. And Lucid Green, at the time when I moved on, when I joined the company, actually, they had 20. So that's a very, very big difference in terms of the size, right? And as you could guess, such a change comes with pros and cons. Thankfully, in my case, the pros outnumber the cons by a large. And also, to be frank, I've been blessed with a lot of pros throughout my career. So far, I can only speak very highly for all my previous employers, uh, be it at Molson Coors or Anheuser-Busch or Coca-Cola originally. So as I said, these are renowned companies that, and that's for a reason. They hire the best experts. Uh, you know, they invest in bringing experts from other companies, from other industries. And that's why they almost have flawless uh, systems and organizations and ways of working, especially when it comes to commercial areas of the business, like sales, marketing, revenue management. I was also privileged to work on brands that are renowned across the world. So Coca-Cola, Sprite, uh, Fanta, Budweiser, you name it. So 
going back to your question about the differences between beer and cannabis specifically, there are actually a lot of similarities when it comes to the nature of the industries. Whereas the main difference is, is the stadium of maturity, that's where we, we can spot some differences. Obviously, cannabis is in the making. It's in the start. I would say still fighting for the chance to get fully legal on a national level. And that poses restriction, right? That restriction slows it down from progressing and focusing on aspects that are necessary to evolve, to organize, segment, and mature. So again, to rephrase it, there are similarities when it comes to the nature of the industry because both cannabis and beer and alcohol have been illegal at some point of time. And in that sense, the transition is very, very similar, but cannabis is still struggling, you know, to get the legalization on a national level. And with that, the struggle is still out there and it's very pronounced. Yeah. And we're definitely going to get into some of those challenges, but also some of the opportunities that exist within the industry. So very interesting to hear your perspective on the differences and also how some of your experiences at those more established organizations have impacted you. Of course, you know, not having so many people to navigate and all the bureaucracy, so to speak, is one thing. But with those systems come the process and being able to operationalize and have some great learnings that you can apply to your other job or your new job, rather. But let's dig into where cannabis is today, because as you noted, legalization is at varying places depending on where you are in the world, which means that the retail component or retail opportunity is vastly different depending on where you are. So how would you kind of distill that, I guess, or break it down probably more eloquently than I just did? Well, I think that the key word is the maturity. So because cannabis is still not legal in full, there are so many differences across states where it's legal. And to be even more complex, there is legalization for medicinal usage and there is legalization for recreational use. So I often say as many states, as many complexities or as many challenges out there for the cannabis players, all stakeholders, not only uh, companies that make cannabis, but also distributors, retailers, the ancillary companies such as us, you know, the tech, anybody who deals with cannabis. So I think that we still need to better understand the marketplace as such before we start creating organization. And we really need to get into a better state when it comes to the, the compliancy and the regulations, because there are so many interpretations out there. And this is a big problem because it's overregulated, but it's under-supervised. So the interpretations in terms of what some regulations mean they vary. And you can imagine how difficult it is to operate in, in such an environment. So when it comes to the retail segment, there is no structure as such. If you compare it and contrast it to the CPG world, let's say, where you have different channels, you have different occasions, you have different shopper profiles, this is non-existing in a cannabis space. And therefore, it's very difficult to position and to market your products in such an environment. And also there are no established stronghold players out there as you have in other industries. I mean, there are some brands, both in the world of the production, so uh, companies and in the world of retail that are more known than others, but this is still relatively, uh, it's, it's relatively unstable, I would say, because again, there's a lot of saturation also that is happening in the marketplace. 
six, seven years ago, there were probably around 800, 900 players in the market. Today, you have more than 4,000. So you can imagine the chaotic, conditionally speaking, saturation in the market. And that, as I said, this is still predominantly because of the uh, fact that the cannabis industry is not regulated, actually is not legal on a national level. So we're all hoping that this will come in uh, near future so we can start practicing as a real industry and establish standards and establish ways of working that would be for a common goal. And we can see better synergy between the players rather than this competition that still exists because of the way that market is set up right now. Yeah, and Philip, it's very interesting hearing how all of these things almost connect together or influence each other. So a lot of fragmentation, a lot of, I don't want to say instability, but a lot of variance, I guess, as far as, you know, where the industry is, you know, who's playing in this space, where legalization is. So I'm curious, like, how that trickles down further to the customer, right? I mean, we've seen data around overall perception of cannabis and cannabis products changing in a favorable way as a result of legalization happening in more states within the U.S. But I'm curious what you and your team are seeing. Like, how is this progressing? And is that fragmentation inhibiting growth at all? Very good question. I would say yes and no. And again, it varies from market to market. So if you go, and I was in California two weeks ago. So well, I'm trying to do as many market visits as I can because that's where the magic happens. So you need to be really in the field to better understand the marketplace. So if you're in California versus Missouri or Illinois or Michigan, it's like you're in different country. Because again, the state of maturity and with that, the awareness the understanding, the level of the stigma still existing and false communication, different narratives, this all varies. I would say that California is much more advanced in this regard when it comes to the customers and how they perceive the industry versus other markets that are recently regulated. So there is much, much, much more to be done in that, in that segment. But I would say that the common denominator here is the illicit market still existing. And this it's a fear that a lot of customers current and even prospective people who are maybe considering getting into the cannabis space are considering by and large. Um, there was a statistic recently, and uh, I think it said that something around 70 to 80 percent of the total market is still experiencing some form of illicit products. They can be fake products, they can be counterfeit products, et cetera, et cetera. So that's a big problem, right? So we need to make sure we face it, we acknowledge it, and we do something about it. And part of our business model addresses that as well. And we solve for a lot of these problems when they're related to the illicit market. So even in our motto, on our slogan, we say we stand for trust and transparency. So these products that we offer, you know, the QR codes that we call Lucid IDs, they exactly help in that regard. So if you're a customer, if you're a shopper shopping for a product, you can scan the Lucid ID, this QR code, and you can get a confirmation that that product is safe to consume. It means that it's authentic. So this is why a lot of brands and retailers and even customers are coming to us asking for more of these Lucid IDs because it's a statement that the products are, as I said, safe to use. They provide some sort of consistency and also they can learn about the products. They can learn about the brands. They can get recommended dosage and, you know, instructions how to consume the product, again, in a safe 
and consistent way. Because this is super important as the industry is, as I said, there is a lot of unknown when it comes to which product to buy, how to consume it, how often to consume it, et cetera, et cetera. Mm, this is very interesting. So if we were to kind of break it down, you know, from a marketing standpoint, and we have a lot of marketers that listen to the show, you know, read retail touch points, you are a marketer yourself, VP of marketing to be exact. So I'm curious, like, is that education component? So you talked about ensuring that the product is valid, that it's safe, how to use the product, how to find the right product for me. Because cannabis broadly is still very much in its early stages of consumer adoption and understanding, is that kind of like the big elephant in the room, so to speak, as it relates to consumer education and engagement? I guess I'm trying to like distill like what the opportunity would be then for cannabis brands and retailers. Like what's really coming up, I guess, from the consumer standpoint right now? Yes, yes. Any industry, not only cannabis, requires this regardless of the stage they are. And for me, coming from Europe to the United States, while I was still in the beer business, this was an aha moment after a while, after I immersed into the, the beer space and learned that the American landscape is not on a level where it should be when it comes to consumer education. I'm talking now about the beer business, and I'm only making this comparison because it's valid for cannabis in order not to repeat the same mistake that was done in the beer industry when it became legal after prohibition. So in Europe, just again to make the comparison, the beer industry, so the beer products are much more than a commodity. People understand which type of or which style of beer to consume at what part of the day, for what occasion different flavors, different extracts, uh, different uh, levels of ABV, this is the alcohol percentage. And that's because there was a lot of investment done by every stakeholder in the industry to inform consumers about the consumption. And that only helps the industry to grow, to prosper, to invite more consumers into the category. And that's how you scale it. That was not the case and still not the case in the United States. You only think of beer and you think of, you know, drinking it in a bar, maybe drinking it at home. And that's pretty much it. That's the synonym for beer. So we need to not make that mistake in cannabis. That's why consumer education, especially because there is so much, you know, bad words circling around the cannabis space, you know, the stigma, the myths. We need to break those and tell people that cannabis is not only rolling a joint. First of all, there are two main usages. One is the medicinal and the other one is the recreational. So when it comes to the medicinal usage, I think it's rather self-explanatory. It's very purposeful. But when it comes to the recreational, this is where the usage makes even more sense. And therefore, the consumer education makes much more sense and is, is required. So it's on, especially on the brands, to make sure that they explain not only the functional propositions of the product, but also to make sure that they inform consumers on how to consume it, when to consume it, what are the recommended dosages, and everything that has to do with safe consumption. So that's, again, scaling out from just considering cannabis as a growth joint to understanding that there are various other products out there for various other purposes and occasions of consumptions, and that's where consumer centricity through consumer education is super critical. Yeah, it's clear it's a huge opportunity, and I'm sure from a brand equity standpoint, investing in that as a business is really critical. But I guess a follow-up question there would be, what are some of the issues that are happening as we think about marketing, as we think about 
growing a brand slash cannabis business, especially online, right? I mean, digital commerce, e-commerce, a big part of the retail mix today. What are some of the challenges that are emerging right now? Again, considering the fact that legalization is at different points, depending on the area, but also it seems like, or at least it did in the last time I really dug into this category, that a lot of the platforms, especially social platforms, their policies are not quite up to speed with where legalization currently is, and that could be a bit challenging. So can you kind of like break down this ecosystem, what's happening from a marketing standpoint and the complexity here? Because I feel like it's a lot. Yes, it's a lot. And it's hard to really synthesize that because there are so many layers. And thankfully, this is changing, especially when it comes to, you mentioned social media. So most of the social media platforms are changing and updating their policies. And this goes in favor of the cannabis uh, industry because it's inevitable in a way. Everybody understands that this is just a matter of time. So it's a good thing what we're seeing as a result of that. But probably the best way to, to describe this phenomenon is I'm a fan of analogies. So probably I'm going to use one as if you imagine a football match. But instead of the field, you're playing on the streets and you have bad weather conditions. And the audience is very limited because you have the curbs instead of the stadium. And the referees on top of that keep on changing the rules and they are uncoordinated among themselves. So you can imagine how hard it is to create a strategy in such an environment or tactics to implement and win the game. So there are so many regulations in the industry and so little supervision, as I mentioned, before and even control. The saturation that we refer to is a massive problem, right? So many brands. And I'm going to go back to the retail landscape. There is no segmentation, which makes it very hard. And I think that one of the opportunities for marketers is to focus on joining forces with all the stakeholders in this landscape, in the route to market. Join forces with retailers, join forces with companies such as ours, the tech companies that support the cannabis space and synergize the marketing power that we all have for the same common goal. And I think that this is really happening in the cannabis space. And I'm very happy about it because I'm experiencing this on a daily basis. I talk with so many brands on a daily basis and they are eager to learn, especially in my case, because I come from experienced background in a complementary, in a way, compatible industry. So they want to learn about what were the best practices in the alcohol world? What are some experiences in retail hooks or digital marketing and how we can maneuver in this restricted marketing space? And that's exactly, again, why we exist. One of our operating model is what we call Lucid Connect. Lucid Connect is a direct-to-consumer marketing platform where we, again, we provide the functionality for brands to inform and educate consumers, to let them know that the products are safe to consume, to run some loyalty programs, to provide the test results to confirm that this is a really safe product to consume and to learn about the levels of THC, of CBD, of other cannabinoids, for consumers to learn about terpenes and, again, to better understand what products are better fit for them. So again, it's a continuous work together, but we need to join forces in order to succeed because again, the challenges are so many, but we need to face them and be consistent and have the same end in mind and be determined about it. 
Are you ready to explore the evolved customer journey where content, community, and commerce converge? At the Retail Innovation Conference and Expo, you'll learn how brands and retailers are embracing new consumer insights, new technologies, and new destinations to create relevant and resonant experiences. Taking place on June 4th through the 6th at McCormick Place in Chicago, the Retail Innovation Conference and Expo will bring some of the brightest minds in the industry together for unique networking and learning opportunities, including keynote speaker, marketing expert, and author of for the culture, Marcus Collins. Check out the show notes to register today. So despite some of the challenges, there are a lot of really great examples and opportunities that are out there right now, especially I think as we consider and, and investigate the future of physical retail. Like I know we've covered some incredible cannabis retailers that have been able to tap into that need to educate and empower that you were talking about earlier to shape the dispensary experience. And I'm curious, just based on what you're seeing, the conversations you've been having with partners, with clients, with the industry, what new opportunities exist for experience innovation, especially, again, as we consider consumer behavior shifts, those complexities that you were talking about in the digital landscape. I mean, what are you seeing happening in the way of the dispensary experience? Yes, you're right. There are some great examples out there. There are some retail dispensaries that are paving the way for everybody. But sadly, this is still a small number relative to the entire industry. I think category management is one of the big ones that everybody needs to recognize. The majority of these stores and dispensaries who carry cannabis products, they don't really understand, and this is for a reason, the importance of shoppability, if I can put it that, that way. We need to make sure that, I mean, retailers need to make sure that the environment that they offer is much more shoppable. I don't know if you've been to a regular dispensary recently, but they are not really immersed. And I'm now talking in general, the average dispenser. As, as we pointed out, there are some making who are doing a great job. And again, just for the sake of comparisons, why I mean by this uh, shopability. Think of a dog store, dog products, like the Petco's of the world. And I recently went to one here in New York in Union Square. I'm not trying to make an advertising for Petco, but I'm a big fan of dogs, pets, and I regularly go to one. So when you go, you're in heaven. You see the products, you can touch them, you can smell them, you can read about them, you can immerse into the whole experience. All sensory triggers are activated. That's not really the case in the cannabis stores, in dispensaries. You pretty much wait in line so you can come to the counter where you only rely on the butt tender, the person who sells the products, for them to recommend you the best product and the best brand for you, hopefully. And your time pressure, because you're in a queue, you have people waiting in line behind you. So it's like you're in a pharmacy store in CVS or even worse, the DMV. So you're waiting in line and you're going to rely on the butt tender to make the best possible recommendation for you. So creating categories, organizing the stores is imperative. Then making sure that you have the right assortment. You don't need to carry every single SKU out there. We mentioned that there are 4,000, even maybe 5,000 right now. And there is a lot of saturation in store as well. This is making it worse for shoppers, not consumers, for shoppers to make a decision. Sometimes less is more, especially when it comes to making a decision where you're going to spend your money. 
And even more so when you are a first timer or you're not really experienced in understanding what's the difference between strains, like what's a, whether a sativa or indica is better for you or a hybrid, when you're going to consume it, you know, for what purpose, you're going to consume it alone or with friends. So this is where, you know, the shopability and providing information in store, because that's where the magic happens, is crucial. Point of sale materials, they don't exist almost. So this is, again, where the cannabis space, the retailers need to go and see what's happening in established retail formats in the CPG world and take some of those best practices, steal with pride, as we say, and implement them in their dispensaries. Because there is a difference between shoppers and consumers. Not always the shopper is the same person as the consumer. Because in my case, for example, I buy the products, but my wife also consumes them. But I'm the one who makes the decision on spot. So retailers need to understand this difference and also brands, of course, so they can craft the communication, the visual look and feel in accordance with that. That's great, Philip. Definitely some very important nuance, I think, as brands and retailers think about what that shoppable experience looks like and what components really need to be included to facilitate that education, that engagement, that service. It's like it's all kind of layered together, right? So that leads me, I guess, to ask you, I mean, what role does Lucid Green play in all of this, right? I mean, you talked a little bit earlier about some of the ways that you work with brands and sort of consumers. But as we think about the context of that shoppable experience, what does that look like? Well, as we say in our mission statement, and I mentioned that already, we try to enable cannabis businesses to work smarter. And that involves everybody in this route to market, from brands, distributors, retailers, and ultimately we even touch consumers. So basically we are the only company that spans from end-to-end, or what we say, seed-to-consumption. And we provide a host of benefits to each stakeholder on that journey. And the best part is we do this through one common denominator, this intelligent QR code that I mentioned previously, which we call Lucid ID. It's on the packs. You can see it on the packs. So the Lucid ID, when it's applied during inception, during production, it carries all critical information that make the product 100% compliant to regulation across any state we operate. And that information is dynamic. So every time the product changes hands, so it goes from brands to distribution to retail, the information get updated. And every time it goes, for, like, as I said, from brand to distribution, now the distributors are in compliance with the regulation. When it goes to retail, they don't need to do anything. They're automatically in compliance with regulation. And not only that, we streamline the entire process and eliminate manual work, a lot of complexities. So we save precious time and money throughout that process. And the magic really is in the fact that every Lucid ID, every QR code is unique. So I'm going to repeat this again. Every Lucid ID is unique. Unlike regular barcodes, because ultimately the Lucid IDs are a replacement to barcodes. So unlike regular barcodes, which are same for every SKU, Lucid IDs are different on an item level, on an each level. So you can imagine the benefits that come with this. Even companies such as Coca-Cola cannot imagine this because it's revolutionary. So this item level means that you can track and trace your products in real time. You can understand at what point of the journey certain changes happen. Where is the product right now? 
And also, this is why the reporting that we provide is so powerful, is so unique. You can understand your inventory levels on a location basis. You can understand dynamics of sales. And based on that, you can make predictions in terms of when potentially you're going to get out of stock on a, again, on a location basis, or maybe you're overstock. What is the age of the product? And this is fantastic intelligence that companies are consuming already. All the clients that we partner with, they have this data. It's theirs to have. And they use these insights to better understand the marketplace, to make informed business decisions. The companies that you know, are smart in using intelligence, they factor these insights in their business plans. And this is only going to get richer as we scale across the markets. The data will get richer, the insights will get better and more accurate. And I think that you know, it's inevitable that Lucid AD will become a standard in the industry. Very interesting. And I'm really glad you got into the traceability side because I did want to ask you about some of the more macro trends and issues that we're seeing across retail and how cannabis brands and retailers are thinking about it. And obviously, supply chain is really critical right now. Everyone's trying to better balance supply and demand. And then tied to that as an adjacent topic is sustainability and like new requirements around visibility, traceability. So a little bit of what you were just talking about. And I'm curious, like, are there any other concerns, priorities that are happening that are relatively unique or distinct to cannabis that may help enlighten our audience? Yes, this is a tough question, actually, because, again, it goes back to the regulation and the different regulations, actually, across different states. But what's common for all of these companies is that they all want to have less complexities to save time to repurpose their investments in, in processes and you know, services that are contributing to their businesses that are making them more efficient. And this is where we come in. And we're not the only ones. There are a lot of supporting services, you know, even outside of supply chain that have the same purpose, which I believe is uh, maybe unique in the cannabis space because, again, the cannabis space is more like a community. We all have one common goal. We first want to see the industry prosper. We want to see it become legal. And we want to make the consumers informed and ultimately very happy about uh, what they consume. So going back to the supply chain, if you think about what I described before, about what Lucid ID does and all this data that flows throughout the supply chain. We're basically a, a data company. So the supply chain is a very complex territory because there are multiple touch points and with that multiple complexities. So we really want to, and we're doing this successfully, I, I can proudly say, to streamline the process, to eliminate a lot of these unnecessary complexities. They are not really necessary, but because of the regulations they are out there, and because there is also a lack of experience, lack of established ways of working or processes, they still exist. So that's why we have a lot of different experts in our company that come from different industries. And we sort of synergize all of these experiences to make sure that what we offer as a service is the best out there. And it's really helping the businesses to work smarter, whether that is a brand or a distributor or a retailer. So one of the important ones, I would say, is the elimination of stickering. Because as is process, every time a product changes hands, there needs to be new information as per the regulation standards. So this means that the label that you have 
applied into production, it needs to get updated when it changes hands, when it goes from a brand to a distributor to a retailer. So what this means in practice, people need to create new stickers, new labels, actually physically produce them and apply them, sticker them onto the products. So as banal this may sound, this is the requirement. So a lot of retailers and distributors are actually doing this. So you can imagine this requires manpower, a lot of time. It's prone to many, many mistakes because it's it's human that's, that they're involved in a very nuanced process. So we eliminate that. The companies who are using our platform, it's they don't need to touch any product. It's Everything is digital. To the certificate of analysis, all this information that are required by, by law are automatically updated and they're onto the label in the QR code every time it changes, it, it goes from one touch point to another throughout this supply chain. So the elimination of stickering, I'm, I'm emphasizing this part because if we eliminate this, we eliminate a lot of paper, plastic. So this is part of the sustainability that you alluded to. So you can imagine how cost efficient this is. And there is no need actually for people to do this process because it's done automatically. So you can repurpose those people, the, this manpower, into areas of your business where they are needed much more. So that's one of the ways we help streamline the process, you know, reduce complexities, save money, and we make this supply chain journey much more streamlined and enjoyable at the end of the day for, for the businesses. So fascinating. Well, Philip, we covered a lot of ground, I think, in the last 35 minutes or so. But to close out, I would love for you to almost distill what you think other members of the retail community, like traditional retailers, traditional brands, can almost learn from the cannabis industry. Because obviously, in context, it's still very much early days. Cannabis retail is still very new in the grand scheme of things, at least in the capacity that we're talking about, right? So what can their peers take from this conversation, but most of all, like the work that these brands are doing? Because I feel like in pockets of our conversation, these little moments of innovation and differentiation have really come to the forefront. But like, what would you say are like the big takeaways? Absolutely. And I really like that you use the word community because that's how I see the cannabis industry. It's very much like a community, but an inclusive one. Most of these players are in business because of higher mission. It's not just profits. They have some end in mind. You know, it's, it's like a goal that they strive towards, that they aspire towards accomplishing. They believe in the power of the plant and they want to make the world know about it. So I've met a lot of people whose passion is unmatched. That's why I want to go out in the market, you know, go in events as much as I can. And this is very inspirational. And when you have that dose of passion in work, it's very pleasant. It's very enjoyable. So when I go in the field and I talk to butt tenders and I talk to ops people, it's like talking to one big family. The vast majority of them are part of the culture, the tradition, and they are proud of it. And you see big levels of uh, ethos, which is super important. And I don't really see this in other industries, or maybe it was out there, but it, it got lost on the way. So I think this is something that can be seen as inspiration or something to think about even when it comes to the rest of the retail, the other industries out there. Because the result of such environment, of such community, is there's no room for errors. If everybody is about the plant, if everybody wants to make sure that we break the myth 
that we want to inform the world about all these beautiful benefits that come through the cannabis products, there's no room for errors, no slacks. So if you have, pardon my language, a crappy product, it won't go. But tenders won't promote your product and you're doomed. Brands, they compete in who's going to make a better product, better pre-roll, better tasting gummies, better vapes, you name it. So the innovation pipeline is really advanced. Also, packaging is amazing, much better than most of the CPG products. Just go in a dispensary and look at the packaging is most of them are very cool. And I would also mention something for people who know who Simon Sinek is, and I think that majority of the audience would know. He has this now renowned why theory, right, where he explains why Apple was so successful in the early days. He talks about how Steve Jobs was focused on the end goal which was to make the best possible personal computer for the users, not to compete with Dell or Microsoft or the other companies of the world. The passion was in making the best, the best in class product. And I think a lot of the companies have lost that purpose across many industries, which is not the case in cannabis. This is still very inspiring to witness in the cannabis space. And that's how magic happens. That's how innovation happens. That's how new standards and new best in class practices happen. So also being part of that journey is very pleasant and very enjoyable. So when I come to work, I personally feel that I'm part of a history creation. You know, it's history in the making in a way. So I think that this community, this, you know, passion is what drives people forward. And I would really love to see that much more pronounced in other industries, in other fields out there. I love that. What an inspiring way to end this conversation, Philip. Thank you again so much for taking the time out, sharing your experiences, and of course, your thoughts on what's happening within the cannabis industry. Really appreciate it. It was my pleasure. Thank you again for having me. And to all of you, we would love to keep the conversation going because again, this is a very new, fast, involving sector within retail. We would love to hear your thoughts, any follow-up questions you may have for Philip and the Lucid Green team. Leave us a comment on LinkedIn at Retail Touchpoints or on X at Our Touchpoints. We would love to hear from you. And of course, we'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode, leave us a rating and review on your preferred podcast player. We are on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, frankly, anywhere else. We are probably there as well. We'd love to hear your thoughts. And of course, while you're there, subscribe. We are speaking with folks like Philip every week, experts who are not just in tune with the industry, but are shaping it as well. So if you want the latest and greatest delivered right to your device, be sure to subscribe. Thanks again, everyone. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Retail Remix. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can find us on your favorite podcast player. Until next time, keep mixing it up.